Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. And this morning, we're going to just press in a little bit further. We're going to be going through a psalm this morning and dissecting it a little bit. King David, the ultimate praiser, who didn't have a perfectly easy life, but he did have a perfect God that he relied on completely. And so this morning, we're gonna lean into this a little bit. And I know it's not a, a normal Thanksgiving again, and there's elements of it that that is really hard. And there's elements of it that I think are kind of good because it's causing our roots to go deeper. And we're having to decide outside of the feelings, outside of the circumstances, what do we believe in our hearts? Is he good? Is he faithful? Is he worthy of my worship, worthy of my praise? And I'm so glad to see so many in the house today and those online bless you wherever you are today. I know some were visiting family and doing different things. And so we just pray a fantastic weekend for you away. But as we're here in this place, I just, um, you know, I kind of wanted to, to start today. I, I just feel like we need to redeem something. Um, and there's been a, you know, like unless you live under a rock, you know things are sucky right now, right? Like it's not, it's not easy. And a lot probably have had a lot of emotions in this past week. And in preparing, I, I stood in... Um, like one of my least favorite stores to shop at is No Frills, but I go there because they have good prices. And, but for those who shop there, they've got the long, snaky single line that you have to stand in forever. So, you know, instead of just standing, you know, behind four people, you stand behind 40. And so the conversations go on around you. And it was just, it was so negative. The conversations in the lineup were so negative. And it was just like, there was none of the normal excitement of, yay, we're preparing for Thanksgiving dinner. There was just a lot of really awkward comments and, you know, just stuff. And, and I, uh, just by way of declaration, you know, our, our provincial government is do doing the best they can. But there was a statement made um, earlier this week that this weekend um, we need to give our gratitude to the health community and if we're gonna celebrate Thanksgiving, we need to celebrate them. And firstly, let me just say, A, we totally honor and we are so deeply grateful for the medical community. We honor the effort, we honor the sacrifice. We're so grateful for your lives. We're so grateful for how you pour yourselves out. I think the continuous stress of this in, on the front lines is just, it's not something that anybody is meant to carry, so we do honor that. But um, where I, I do take a little bit of an exception is that our, our true honor of thanksgiving is meant to go to God. And so I, I feel like we just need to redeem that just a minute. And I, I want to just declare, like, we, we are grateful to God for our jobs, the people in our lives, our spouses, our family, our children— so it's, it's who, we, who we direct it to, and then out of that comes the product where we offer thanks for people. But who we offer the thanks to is to God. And so I just wanna, I just wanna catch that in the spirit. I feel like it's really important um, that we recognize that 
that God deserves our attention right now. There's three holidays that I won't waver on. One is Thanksgiving because it goes back to the very core of being grateful to God for our survival, our very existence. Old Testament, we can see, I mean, this is not a biblical holiday. It's the attitude that it's founded in. But uh, the, the Thanksgiving for the harvest was a wave offering before the Lord for what he had produced out of the land, right? And so it's, it's got a foundation there. Christmas is non-negotiable and Easter's non-negotiable. And so I think there's times where we have to just lean into God. And from that relationship with him, we offer gratitude in all kinds of directions. And we need to make sure that we're doing that. So does that make sense? Uh, sometimes we just need to set a boundary line in the spirit. So um, as we were preparing for this weekend, and I just thought, like, oh man, here we go again. I, a lot of people are really upset, <laughs> you know? And didn't it feel good this morning to just sing about how good God is? <laughs> like that's the place that we need to go. And so the bait is to get down here, but the, the, the freedom and the life is to get up here and to get into that place where we're recognizing who he is. And he's good. He's always good. We know that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, meaning sometimes there's a battle going on all around us, but there's a banqueting table with him. And we get to sit and partake of him. And then it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not just the ones that are, you know, prescribed to be happy all the days of my life, which means there's goodness and there's mercy for today. There's something of him that we get to partake in today. But in praying through this, and, you know, I just, everybody knows, I'm at risk of getting myself in so much trouble today, but everybody knows, like this weekend, it's just, you don't, we're not, nobody's asking anybody, what are you doing for the holidays? You just say happy Thanksgiving and move on. It's just important that we do that right now because, um, you might not want the answer. And so, we, but we do have to find a place where corporately we come together in unity. We don't want to, we don't want to debate. We don't want to divide. We don't want the arguments. We don't want this stuff. And, and most of our um, government leaders right now are, you know, are even recognizing and putting out these pleas. Like we hear that there's, there's a lot of upset within families and there's, you know, there's all these issues going on and we're just asking you to please walk in kindness and walk in love, which is so true. And yet ultimately that only can come when we choose God's way of loving. Love is patient, love is kind, love, you know, love hopes, love believes all things, endures all things. There's a, there's a place in him that we can pull on, that we can engage in perfect love. We can engage in unity. We can engage in how he's designed us to be as a family, as a community, as his kids represented on the earth. And so um, the phrase that I just kept getting from the Lord as I was praying into this weekend was come up higher. Yes. Come up higher. And um, in meditating about this, I was, I was thinking like, what, okay, there's a lot of scriptures about coming up higher. There's, there's things. But I was picturing last Sunday, I was um, talking to some people after the service, and our, our G-babies, they're two, and they were wandering around looking for me. And I thought to myself, it was so funny because they're like looking up at everybody. And I mean, they're just looking at knees, right? So they have to look all the way up to find out where they are. And they're navigating under the seats and around to try and find their specific people. And every once in a while, you'd see they see legs that they think they recognize. And I was like, no. And uh, it's one of Wayne's traumatic childhood memories. He thought he found his mom. And uh, he grabbed the bottom of her skirt and then looked up and it wasn't his mom. And he like, it scarred him a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's not my mom's legs, you know, and there, there's this thing that we grew
grow up with where we're like trying to find our way. And I think we learn to develop some skills for that. When we can't see everything, we just develop, a, you know, a way of navigating. And the word tells us that there's, there's even how we engage with God. We see through the glass dimly, right? We just learn to do without. But there's this moment when you're in a really, you know, you're in a, an exciting situation that kids want up. And when they want up, they often want to ride on dad's shoulders. They want to be up way above. Why? Because they want to see it all. And there's this place where we cross over from settling for looking at the knees, and it's just a mess, and we don't really know where we're going, and we, we struggle, you know, to find our way to the place where we can sit up on the shoulders of God, and we can see. And this is coming up higher. And so if you picture that, what we're going to talk about today is how we engage the presence of God and it's like that. If we will choose to do it, it's like coming from knee level up to shoulder level so that we can see what's going on. And there's a place where even if you just picture that, you can feel freedom in it, right? Like just picture yourself being that little kid in a crowd looking at knees, trying to find somebody versus that moment where you get picked up and you can see from above and you can see clearly, that's what we need to navigate, that place where we come up higher in him, where we're engaging his presence to see things different. Um, a lot of us this weekend, you know, you might have heard some people say, well, you just need to get a better attitude. You need an attitude of gratitude. You need to change your attitude. I believe that before we can change our attitude, we have to change our perspective. If we don't change our perspective, it's really hard to change your attitude because you're telling yourself that I shouldn't feel like this. I, never, I shouldn't be feeling like this, but you do feel like this. And has anybody noticed when you try and bottle your feelings, it doesn't go well. You can stuff it for a little while, but then somebody's going to hit that last nerve and it's coming out and it's, it's like not, it's not good. So we want to make sure that we change our perspective so that we can work on our attitude. And that's kind of a flow that God leads us into. Psalm 34, 1, King David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He literally wrote this when he was on the run for his life and acting like a crazy man trying to survive. So he was having not the best time, circumstantially. You know, he was not... He was not um, navigating life in a way where you would go, of course, the praise is just rolling off your tongue, isn't it? It's, of course. But he said, I will, there's this choice, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So this, this change of attitude comes from the change of perspective because he's choosing to praise and praise is actually an activator of a new realm. It's the way we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. We come before his presence with singing. There's a, an attitude that opens a gate where we are in his presence. So in other words, King David is saying, I can, I can live in this place of blessing the Lord at all times. I can live in this place of praise because I'm choosing to engage his presence. Circumstances might not change, but my attitude is changing. Psalm 24 says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? It's a coming up higher. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things, which is an active pursuit. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. 
And the phrase there, set your mind, means to seek after, to strive for, or to be intent on. In other words, you're going to have to put a little effort into it, but your goal is to decide to climb the mountain. Your goal is to decide to think higher. Your goal is to choose to get above the noise so that you can see. And some of us are trying to talk ourselves into solutions. Some are making very, very big decisions in these next couple weeks. Um, you're not going to be able to navigate the answer to that if you don't come into his presence. There's just, there's no way to navigate the clutter if you don't come up higher so that you can see through his perspective, through his eyes. His perspective is always higher, right? So we know that according to the word, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. There's a coming up. And that phrasing actually helps us. If we just lean into, I've done, I don't just like need to think what God thinks. I need to come up higher, higher tells me that there's a way that is, it, it's hopeful. It's like lifting on the inside of me. If I can come up higher and see what God is seeing, I'm going to have a different perspective and there will be an answer because God is not confused. And so part of this definitely is the, the gratitude, the, the thing. In fact, uh, psychologists have found 28 significant benefits of gratitude. And so there's something to be said for an attitude of gratitude. You know, I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my kids. I'm grateful for my home. I'm grateful for... And that, that absolutely changes your um, internal functioning. It changes your health. It changes your mental well-being. But the point is, gratitude to who? If it's not going somewhere, then you're now you know, stable life is founded on something that is stuff-based. And if what you are grateful for moves or is taken away, then now I've lost my stable place of standing and now I lose what is my mental health is hanging on, my well-being is hanging on to. So the gratitude needs to be anchored in something that is stable, steadfast, which is God alone. So set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. The stepping up will lead us to then the attitude adjustment. And the attitude adjustment comes in that higher perspective. We see it in Philippians 4, 4 to 7. Um, the Apostle Paul's really blunt on this one. You really can't find many loopholes. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. like always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing. It's not even subject to interpretation. Bless the Lord at all times. Be anxious for nothing, really clear, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So again, one of these sentences, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He's saying straight up, if you will go into his presence if you will choose to rejoice in the Lord always, you will choose to step up into that place. You begin to pray and engage with God about all the stuff, and he begins to change you. There's a, there's a shift that happens on the inside of you. You make it known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds 
through Christ Jesus. What's interesting about this is we tend to cherry pick this verse because of the way, you know, it's broken out into the, the scriptures. And it just says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Not if you don't do your bit. If we don't climb up, if we don't change our perspective, if we don't allow the Lord to start adjusting our attitudes, then that peace of God is elusive to us and we have a hard time grabbing it. And so we decide to go up into this place. He says it again in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice always. He even skips a few words just to make it really clear. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So there is this communication that happens in his presence that then begins to change things because, verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So rejoicing always. I don't feel like it. Well, you change your attitude by praying without, you know, about everything. With thanksgiving, I'm grateful to God. I'm, I'm putting my anchor on him. I know he's the source of it all. It's not my stuff, it's him. And from there, we understand that this is the will of God for us. God's will for us is always good. Amen. Always good. There is, there, he he is life and life abundantly for us. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to prosper you. He's not trying to hurt us. When he says this is how we should function, this is for our good. How do we know God's will? Come up higher. Come up into that place. And so the, the, the truth is, some of us, you know, we've heard this for a long time. We know, yeah, I should be praying about it. I was saying to a group of people the other day, I literally, I will ask people when they're like, I don't even know what to do. I will straight up ask at this point, what is God saying to you about it? Because if we're not willing to come up into his presence and come up higher with him, we will have a hard time navigating the answer. And so from this place, we know that God has a will for us, that his will is good for us, his plans for us are good, he's calling us into this place. But here's the reality. Sometimes we don't feel like it. And I, I wanna be like really honest about this today. I really believe that whatever else is going on, I know that we've got a health crisis and everything, but I know that the enemy is a capitalist and he is, he is capitalizing on this situation to sow as many seeds as he possibly can. And the breakdown of mental health, the breakdown of families, the breakdown of finances, the breakdown of hope, it is rampant everywhere around us. It is, it is a time like we haven't seen in this generation. And that doesn't mean that these things don't happen. We actually happen to be the first, you know, group of people in, a, in like a long time that never saw war, never saw famine, never saw, you know, the hard things that we had to fight for. And so we're used to comfort. We're used to things are pretty good. Like even when it's bad, it's pretty good. Even when it's really bad, you get told that you're like, you know, in the top 1% of the entire world's wealthiest, you know? And so we, we have grown up, we have developed this, this um, expectation of comfort, of, of peace, of everything is manageable. I can fix it myself. And so when it's hitting the fan, there's this confusion. And even within the body of Christ, sometimes I think our feelings are betraying us. And we don't know what to do with the feelings. And we know what the Bible says, but we know what we see around us. And the enemy comes in and it's like the Adam and Eve moment. It's like Eve at the tree when the serpent says, did God really say? 
And there's a whole lot of, did God really say, that's flying around right now. You need to know what God's saying. It's time for us to get back to the core truth on this one. Don't, don't stuff your feelings, but take your feelings higher and find out what God has to say about it. And so I believe right now we're dealing with, you know, I, I just, I know for sure there are people who you are, you have hit like, you don't want to say that you're despairing, but you are at the end of yourself. And it's like, oh, happy Thanksgiving, as if. You know, you, you feel that way. You're, you're angry, maybe, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. I will be doing what I want. Thank you very much. And nobody's telling me. And, and there's, there's an anger to that. And there's a, you know, the, the, the place where it's like, well, we need to fix it. And you've been stewing and stirring. And because it seems like stuff isn't correcting itself, you, you're like mad at other people because if they would just do their bit, then you you would be fine and it's just agitating all the time and we have to recognize that these feelings when when God gave us feelings they actually like we can't be led by our feelings but our feelings are like the indicator lights on the dash of your car so you also can't ignore them you ignore the light for too long the car stops running so if the indicator lights on your spiritual dash are flashing right now pay attention don't don't follow the feelings, but take the feelings higher and do something with them. For those that are just, you're at the edge of yourself, uh, honestly, psychologically, how our minds work, if you run on empty too long, something will break. Yeah. And it's not worth it. God has got an answer for us. If we try and fake it, we know internally we fake it, and we begin to have this place on the inside of ourselves that is, it, it feels accused, and the accuser of the brethren capitalizes on that and goes, yeah, you fake, you phony, you're a liar. If your kids really knew what you're thinking right now, if your spouse really knew what you were thinking right now, like you don't, we have to understand there is an enemy of our souls that waits for those moments of weakness and he pounces. And so we lean into the goodness of God and we take those thoughts captive. We take the feelings, we don't ignore them, but we take them and we make them come into obedience to the knowledge of Christ. And so I wanna just spend a little bit of time this morning on Psalm 61. If you've got your Bibles, please pull it up. We're just going to literally pick this through verse by verse. There's eight verses here. But one of the things that I love about King David is that he, he was a feeling kind of guy. I actually think, you know, if we knew him in, in our current things, it would be like, well, he's very flamboyant. You know, he was a warrior on one hand, but he was weeping and dancing and doing stuff. He was all over the place, but he was in touch with himself. And he was more importantly, he was in touch with God. And he was real with the Lord, and he engaged the Lord. He was, he was the one who said, you know, search my heart, O oh God. See if there's any wicked way. Like, he embraced uh, that relationship with the Lord. But Psalm 61, um, scholars believe that he wrote it when he was kind of on the run because his son had, uh, there was a coup in the kingdom and had taken over the throne. And so it's one of the worst situations in in the Bible, as far as family betrayal, um, he'd been warned, you know, that, that things aren't looking good. No, my son would never do that. Anybody had feelings lately of, I can't believe people are doing this? King David was in that space. He had, he had been in the beginning of the rising up of a kingdom. He had experienced the fullness of God's presence and the abundance that comes with that. And now he was on the run for his life and exiled out of the city. And he'd lost all the stuff. He'd lost the position. 
He'd lost the, the comforts. He'd lost a lot of stuff. And Psalm 61 comes out of that. And when you picture it, like sometimes we read these Psalms and it's like, well, if you only knew how bad it was. If David was here right now, he would be like, suck it up. If you only knew how bad it was, seriously. Like, I, I'm not you know, don't want to minimize what anybody's going through, but I'm saying there are hard things that happen all the time, all around the world. And if we as believers don't believe God is bigger than that, we really need to probably get saved. Like we need to, we need to come into a saving knowledge of who Jesus is because he's always enough. And so King David had this moment. He's going through the hardest of hard times. He's experiencing, you know, family betrayal. He's experiencing separation. He's experiencing the loss of his livelihood, his positioning. And so he comes, and it says that it's uh, to the chief musician on a stringed instrument, a psalm of David. And how this breaks down is he actually wrote the words and the tune. It means that he sang this. And I think that sometimes why you know, when we, we get the invitation in a worship service, why do we sing? Because sometimes it's easier to sing it. It bypasses some of this head stuff and it lets our heart cry out. And so David actually attached a tune to this and he was like, this is my heart. And, and he's actually teaching it to somebody else. He's like, you need to learn this song. This could be helpful for you down the road. But he writes the, the words and the music and it starts out and there's eight, there's like a key in each one of the eight verses. So the first one, is cry out. And it says, verse one, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. This is David choosing to come up higher. And what this really means is it's very specific. The hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He says he's not content with the expression of his need or to give his sorrows vent. He wants an actual audience with heaven. Isn't that good? Because, I mean, it's helpful to journal. Sometimes you need to get your thoughts out. Sometimes you need to go see a therapist and be able to have somebody help you express what's going on. But essentially, he's saying, it's not enough for me to just say how bad it is. I really need to hear from heaven today. There, I am coming to you. I am crying out. And the, the phrasing that he's using is this passionate cry before the Lord. This is where I'm at, God, but I'm coming to see you. I am coming to meet with you. I am, I am crying out to you. He has this thing that he knows. See, we know that King David, right from the very beginning, when we read about how he learned the voice of God, it was when he was a shepherd in the fields. And he learned the voice of God, and he knew that God spoke to him. He knew that there was a relationship that could be had. He knew that if, if God was in it, he could kill a lion, he could kill a bear, he could kill Goliath, he could do, you know, any number of things if God was in it. And so in the moment of his distress, instead of just freaking out, I can't believe my son would do this. This is unfair. I've given my life to this thing. God, where are you? No, he's like coming. But God, I am crying out to you and I need you to hear me right now. I am coming up higher into this relationship with you. Attend to my, my prayer. Like God, give me an audience. I need, I need an answer from heaven. I would say that there are times where we... You know, maybe in what's going on, I don't, I don't think that we're at the end of anything. In a lot of ways, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world in this moment in, in history, in kingdom time. But if, if we don't become the kind of people that will fast and pray and seek his face, if we're not ready to humble ourselves, if we aren't ready to actually go after him, we might get 
you know, lost in the mix. But if we will, if we become these people who cry out, God, attend to my cry. So number one, that's what we got to do. Number two, and this is one of my favorite parts, be honest. Be honest. Your friends, family, coworkers may not be able to handle what's going on on the inside of you, but God already knows it, so you might as well spill the beans. He already knows your thoughts are far off, right? He's already aware of what you're wrestling with. He's waiting for you to surrender it to him. It is okay to say, God, I am so angry. God, I am struggling with my emotions. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling suicidal. I'm feeling rage. I'm feeling frustration. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling like whatever. Be honest with God. I mean, honestly, he, he is here to get you through it. But if you picture in this, I'm coming up higher. What if you climb the mountain and God is looking at you and he's like, how can I help you? And you're like, I was having a rough day if you could bless me indeed. You know, like God's like, no, seriously, seriously. Jesus wept and said to his father, if there's any other way, I'd really rather not do this. Jesus modeled utter honesty before the Father, weeping and sweating drops of blood. He was so anguished. God can handle your attitude, but you need to surrender it to him. It says there in verse 2, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. And here we go. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. This is coming up higher. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He says, I, I, I'm on the ends of the earth. I've been kicked out of my kingdom. I don't have anything that I thought was stable anymore in my life. Here I am isolated, but I will cry out to you. My heart is overwhelmed. That's an honest statement. King David is saying, literally, I actually can't take much more. Has anybody said those words in the last week or two? I don't know how much more of this I can take. King David is saying, my heart is overwhelmed. So you're going to have to lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. We've been talking about the cornerstone. We've been talking about the rock, but this particular rock, there's, um, there's, um, some stories about it. I don't know, but where, um, this is the, the, the scripture that is claimed by a lot of, um, sailors and people out on the, on the ocean waters. And it's kind of the scripture that's attached to lighthouses and places where if you are drowning, when the water is over your head, when the waves are high, when there's a tossing and a turning and you don't know where to go, you look for the rock that is higher than you are. You look for the place that's up there and Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. There's apparently places where there's these cliffs because literally um, the way it's, it's written here, it's talking about a cleft or a cliff of the rock. And so there are places where there's these high points, these high rocky um, edges where there's been... Um, uh, steps cut out and um, there's a place where there's an actual leading up higher because of the way the storms come in and the way the floods rise, people have to actually be able to get up above what is right around them. So practically speaking, people have taken this instruction from the word and actually said, this is how we save lives. This is how God saves our lives. We come and we ask and we say, God, I, my heart is overwhelmed, but lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. Take me into this place. Number three is remember. And it says, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. 
You have been. The good thing about a day like Thanksgiving is it prompts us to pause and go, what, you know, what am I grateful for? What has God done in my life? I think this year in particular, we need to be less superficial and dig a little deeper. Where are all the places God has been faithful? I, David's like encouraging himself. He's standing before God spiritually. He's, he's saying, my heart is overwhelmed, but I remember, I remember you have been a shelter for me. You have been a strong tower from the enemy. You've been the place where I hide myself. I know you have not failed me in the past. It's God's nature. And so in order to get forward, sometimes we need to look backward and pause and step into gratitude, step into praise, step into thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have been. You have done. You've been there. I, I know you've been there. Have you ever noticed when you're in a current crisis, it's so tempting. It's like right now, this is the end of the world. And then it passes. But the way through it is to recognize the foundation of faith that you stand upon. You have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Verse 4, and our word is determine. Determine. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. He's saying straight up, okay, from this place, I have chosen to come up higher. I've chosen to engage your presence. I'm choosing to be honest. And I'm, I'm telling you, Lord, I, I actually am overwhelmed by the current circumstances. I need you to lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. And from that place, God, you are the rock. You are that sure foundation. In fact, when I pause and think about it, I can see you have been a shelter for me. You have been my hiding place. You've always been there. And therefore, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. The tabernacle, Old Testament, was a location. For us, it's his presence. So I will stay, I will stay in your presence forever. I'm not overwhelmed. I will stay in your presence forever. I'm actually making this choice. I will determine that I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Do you know it's actually possible to engage the presence of God to be vulnerable, this is how I'm feeling, to say, God, lead me to the rock that's higher than I am, and God goes, okay, then you're gonna need to do this. You're gonna need to release this, you need to have to hang on to this, you're gonna have to you know, do this, and you're like, no. Never mind, going down the mountain. You know, like, there, there are, every one of these points is a decision. Everyone, we can, we can come into his presence and not be honest. We can come into his presence and be honest, but we don't remember a thing. It's never been good. We can remember that he's been good, but I don't want to do what's going on right now. I don't want to be, like, we have to decide this. And so we determine, I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Moving forward, whatever comes for this nation, for North America, for the nations of the earth, whatever, whatever's going on around us, I will determine to trust you. Man, like, can you feel that on the inside? Like, just, just say it. I determine to trust you. With a little more oomph. I determine to trust you. Do you feel that? See, that is the same thing as saying, suck it, devil, not today. I submit to God, I resist the devil, and he will flee. This is the thing that we determine to do. I determine I will 
trust you. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. And then verse five, our word for that is recenter, which is not probably a real word, so it has a hyphen. We will recenter. <laughs> for you, O oh God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. I recenter on that place. You have heard my vows. You heard my commitment to you. You brought me into relationship, and there is an, a heritage, an inheritance that belongs to me. So whatever is going on around me, do you know, you, you know, when you come into that relationship with Jesus, you become a son or daughter of the living God. You partake of an inheritance that's available to anybody who says yes, but not everybody's taking him up on it. So the reality is, can it be different for you? Yes. In fact, it should be. I have an inheritance with him. There is an inheritance, a heritage with him that I get to put a draw on. But if I just stay in this low-level thinking, I will miss it entirely. What I am promised is that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. I know that his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What that means is no matter how bad it gets out here, I should be walking in righteousness, peace, and joy. That should be how my life looks to those around me. It should be how I experience life. It should be the reality that I'm, I'm walking in. And so King David is saying this, okay, I actually have been in relationship with you. I am in relationship to you and I partake of this inheritance. And there's another uh, Psalm that says your, the boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I have a beautiful inheritance. That's my reality. It can be my reality in the midst of all the stuff. I'm not trying to find you. I'm not trying to believe in you. It's been a done deal. And so I'm standing on it. This is what he says. And so verse six, speak life. Speak life. He says, you will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. Do you know how tempting it would have been? Uh, again, King David was an emotional guy. He was a feeling guy. Do you know how tempting it would have been for him to quit on life when he was kicked out of his own home, chased away from his own family, betrayed by his own son and some of his closest friends? He had lost it all. But instead of going, I just want out of here, his answer is straight up, you will prolong the king's life. Okay, God. Even though death might feel preferable right now, I speak life. I choose life. And speaking life, then he goes on and he says, his years as many generations. He's thinking not just my life, but it's going on. There's a legacy that will not be stolen from me. There's a testimony of my life that will not be stolen. There is something that my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren will know that I was a man of God. I was a woman of God. I knew you. I lived in the fullness. You sustained me. You supplied me. You did the impossible. You are the miracle worker. God. You are the place where I hide myself. You are the one who I run to in the times of the storm. You are the rock upon which I'm built. That's my legacy. It will not be stolen. King David determined to speak life. Verse seven, stay humble. 
And by stay humble, I mean literally the idea of humility is I submit myself under God. He's the boss of me. He's not just my savior, he is my Lord. And I stay under him and I know that the next breath that I have is a gift from him. And the next one. And the next one. So I humble myself under his mighty hand. I hide myself in him. He says here in verse seven, he shall abide before God forever. He's talking about the king. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. In other words, the only way this is gonna happen is your mercy, your words of truth. I'm actually, I'm, I'm under your hand. I, I'm under your leadership. I'm under your, your blessing. I'm under your sustaining. It's all for you. It's in you, it's through you, it's for you. I'm in you. And it's only from that place, see, we can get super caught up in the warfare side of things right now, and it's raging. You know, for those who are um, maybe a little bit more spiritually alert to those things, oh my word. It's raging. But we don't have the opportunity to resist the devil and he will flee if we don't submit to God. So this first place, this coming in, this place of staying in that zone with him, under his shelter, under his protection, in his mercy, in his provision, that's the place of strength. And then the final thing that happens is super interesting because what we were looking for in the first place happens at the end, which is walk it out. Walk it out. Verse eight says, so after all this, can you imagine King David? He's, he's having like the really one of the worst moments of his life. I actually think it was probably worse than King Saul throwing spears at him. I think it was probably worse than even when he, you know, like lost his son, because at this point he's come through life of, of, you know, trusting God, making mistakes, experiencing forgiveness, whatever. But betrayal from up close and personal kind of catches you off guard. And so he's having this moment of betrayal and he goes through this whole process and you see him embrace the reality, step into a higher level of thinking, experience God, renew his vows, pull on his inheritance. And then he says, so I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. In other words, I'm gonna do the right thing before you as an act of my praise because of everything else that we've just done. I can't just say, I know, that, I, know I need to do the right thing. I know I need to. See, we would tend to start at verse eight. I'm in a bad space. I don't know what to do. I have a bad attitude. I know I shouldn't be like this. I should be more grateful. I should be feeling more of this. And so I will praise and perform my vows. God's like dead works. I need to see your heart first. If we start there, we can't sustain it. If we start at verse one to seven, we get to this place where God, because you're actually enabling me to do everything that I can, everything that needs to be done, it's coming through you. Wow, so I will praise you. And from there, I will daily perform my vows. And what he means by vows is the things that he's committed to God. See, if we'll be real with God, if we'll come up higher, it becomes doable to do the right thing. If we stay at knee level in the crowd, in the mess, it is just sheer willpower to do the right thing and sooner or later we tire out. God's asking us to come up higher. 
So one final verse, and then I'm going to have the worship team come. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 kind of describes how this all plays together. And it says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, which is what King David is talking about. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his will. We read earlier that his will is that we would pray, that we would be in thanksgiving, that we would offer everything to him, that we would stay in that place of peace. He, this attitude, this place is his will for us. And so we know that this is part of the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Not that we should just praise him and glorify him. We get to be to the praise of his glory. This process through Psalm 61 actually takes us to the place where it's not just what I think, it's not just what I say, it's not just how I present myself. I actually am living to be to the praise of his glory. I am actually living out his will in my life because I'm living in that relationship with him. And I choose to bring my attitudes. I choose to bring my will. I choose to bring the heartbreak. I choose to bring my decisions. I choose to bring it all. And I choose to allow him from the rock that is higher than I am to show me what to do. And then I can walk out and I live to the praise of his glory. So my heart for us today is, you know, I, I really feel like it would be, it, you know, a disservice to us to just say, you know what? An attitude of gratitude will change everything. You just need to put on a happy face. No, you don't. You need to come up higher. And from that place, it's going to be natural to put on a happy face because you're living in the inheritance of the presence of God. Let's stand together. I just want to speak a release over you this morning. I, I feel like there's some who you've been bottling it so hard and people are starting to ask you, what's, what's the matter? Are you okay? Is everything okay? I'm fine. Fine. No, you're not. It's totally okay to not be fine for a minute. It's what we do with it. I feel like there's some who you've been... Uh, You've been trying really hard to like steer your whole family and the people around you and you're trying to stay happy, stay positive and you just feel like you're getting sucked under all the time. You know what? Come up higher. You will find in his presence that place where you don't have to convince anybody of anything God already knows. So you're not having to try and pull anybody. You're not trying to impress anybody. You're not trying to influence anybody. It's just him and you in his presence and it's life-giving. I want to encourage you if you've been you've been weary from that, you've been weary from trying to just keep it together, don't. I mean, as long as you follow this pattern, <laughs> don't just fall apart on your own, you know. Follow the invitation to come up higher. Maybe you as a couple need to do it. Sometimes it's, you know, I there's a lot of couples right now that are saying like, we can't even talk because it just goes so toxic so quickly. Then pray together. Decide to climb up higher together. Decide to walk through this together. Decide to say, Lord, here's what's going on in me. 
You know my thoughts. You, you know my heart is overwhelmed. But we are asking you as a couple, we are asking you as a family to lead us to the rock that's higher than we are. God, we remind ourselves in your presence of your faithfulness. You, you've been so good. God, you've sustained us. You've provided for us. You've led us on the paths. You've taken us places we never thought we could go. You said void to that doctor's analysis. You said healed in that place. You said supplied at that bottom line. You said encouraged in that place of brokenness. You said loved in that place of abandonment. God, you've been so good. You've been so good, God. And so we remind ourselves of that. We take ourselves to that place where God, we're determining our help is from you alone. Our hope is in you alone. And even though trust has been broken with different people, and even though relationships seem fried right now, even though we don't even, we don't even hold out any hope that anything's gonna change in this area or that area, even though we feel led into making these difficult decisions, God, you are always the rock. You are always the safe place. You are always the one where we can hide ourselves. And so the relationship we have with you doesn't change. And in fact, in the midst of these difficult times, it gets more serious. And you maybe say in front of your spouse, in front of your children, in front of your friends, in a moment of prayer, God, we trust you. Our trust is in you. Our hope is in you. You will sustain our lives. You will bless us with the mercy that's necessary, the comfort that's necessary, the supply. You will take care of the life that you are giving. We will live out the vows that we've made before you, God. We will live for you. We will live in a way that honors you. And we will praise you. We will declare who you are. We will make sure that the words upon our lips are honoring to you. We speak life and we will be to the praise of your glory. See, that's next level Thanksgiving. God, this morning I pray over your people. I thank you, Lord, for your peace. I thank you, Lord, for your joy. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness and your kindness and your compassion, your wisdom, your counsel. I thank you for your perfect love. God, today I thank you that each one of us are a walking testimony of your goodness in one way or another, God. None of us deserves your attention. None of us deserves your love, and yet you offer it freely. You love us. You know us. You knit us together in our mother's womb. I thank you, Lord, for those that are standing here today as a walking testimony. Lord, those who have been liberated from uh, difficult, abusive situations. Lord, liberated from abuses, substance abuses. Lord, liberated from mental torment. Liberated from family lines that have been uh, 
been dysfunctional and painful. God, liberated from so many things. And God, today we choose to see that. We choose to look at that and we choose to leap off from it into the place of your life and your love and your goodness. And Lord, every weapon of the enemy that has been fashioned against your people, every seed of division, every arrow, God, that has separated families, that has separated close friends, God, we rebuke that right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, that the enemy does not get a final say over our lives, over our households, but God, we hide ourselves in you. And so, Lord, even as King David praised you in the midst of a broken relationship, a broken family, God, you ministered to him as he ministered to you. And so, God, we determined to hide ourselves in you and we ask for restoration in Jesus' name. That every one of these arrows falls to the ground. We thank you that the word tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And so, God, we thank you that every one of those weapons, every one of those arrows of division falls to the ground void in Jesus' name. And I pray for supernatural restoration of families, supernatural restoration of friendships, God. And Lord, for those who are dealing with work situations and work environments, God, I thank you that your children are favored by you. God, you make a way where there is no way. And Lord, those that need to stand in these hours, God, I thank you. You give them courage to stand and you open access points for them, God, into the next things that you have for them. God, you bless them. Those that feel to release things, God, I thank you that you bless them in the release and you lead them in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. God, we thank you that you are moving things around right now. You are positioning us for your purposes and for your honor and your glory. And Lord, we stand in radical thanksgiving before you because of that. You are faithful. You are good. You are true. And we will join with the declaration that King David said when he said that he would praise you, God, that he would, um, that he would uh, sing your praise to your name forever and daily perform his vows. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, with thanksgiving, we offer our lives before you. And I pray blessing over this house, over every family, over every individual. And Lord, we thank you that we have a beautiful inheritance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.